to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. blessed in the house of the Lord. Let us go to the scriptures and uh, my team, can you remind me of something immediately after this there's something I need to check on uh, keyword when you just give me the word Deborah I don't know what it's about okay just remind me of that I was supposed to attend to it yesterday but my phone okay so we're gonna deal with um, something very interesting I taught about securing what is yours i talked about securing what is yours and i've been talking about that for the past few weeks securing doesn't mean you don't have it but it means you're putting in the necessary security right and today in particular i want us to look at one principle securing what is yours and it's something that I feel we don't talk about enough. We talk about it every now and then, but we don't talk about it enough. And I think it's, it's a principle that believers need to get back to. Praise God. Praise Him once more. Okay. So, in particular, it's a principle that uh, believers need to get back to. I'm trying to think of a title. But I want us to talk about, maybe let me put it like this. Let's title today's Maintaining Your Confession. Maintaining Your Confession. And... Um, yeah, maintaining your confession. First Timothy chapter six, verse twelve. Let's start from there. First Timothy chapter six and verse twelve. Okay. So the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. I don't have this side. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I'll say that again. So it says, fight the good fight of faith. Then it says, lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I'll come back to that verse, 
But the first thing that I want to mention is this. Satan is after your conversion. Satan is after your confession. That's the biggest thing he wants. That's the biggest thing he wants, he wants to get out of you. He wants you to go against a confession of God that you've had and rather for you to propose a new confession of him. Because in the spiritual realm, your confession practically is you. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So one of the things that Satan is after is your confession. Okay? I want us to see something. Let's go to the book of Job, chapter 1. I want us to see this. Job, chapter 1, and let's look at verse... Um, Job, chapter 1, and verse uh, 6. Job chapter 1 and verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Uh -huh. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. If you want my sonesis, of why Satan had such access and whether he still has it now. I attend one of my ministry classes. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Aha. Uh -huh. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Uh -huh. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? By the way, that also shows you that even demons and devils can recognize when there's a hedge around somebody. And it's possible for the hedge to not just be on you, but to also be on your possessions and everything that concerns you. And then he says, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Uh -huh. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. What was Satan after? A confession. What did Satan want? Job to say something negative about God. Notice, the entire end result of what Satan wanted when he came to Job was a different confession. <laughs> Somebody say glory. Have you observed that? Notice, it starts by saying, you have blessed him, you do this, but if your hand is to be, sort of like if you had to remove that covering, the thing that you're going to get from him is he will curse you. And if you remember, even Satan and, uh, sorry, Job and his wife, his wife was saying, look, just curse God now and die. It seems to me as though Job lost everything but remained with one thing, his confession. That's why he could still say things like, I know my Redeemer liveth. Because what did he remain with? His confession. And when it's all said and done, and he walks past the pearly gates, and his life is judged, in essence, he may not necessarily be judged for how many things he had, but he may be judged for the confession that he made. Somebody say glory. Say confession. So one thing that Satan is after is a person's confession. And that's something that you must learn to guard. Learn to guard your confession. That's why I choose to ask you. And maybe let's do this exercise very quickly. I want you to write down in a minute or two. Write down. Ten things that you believe about the gospel. Any ten things you believe about the gospel in relation to you. Remember, the gospel is, go is the good news, right? To you. Any ten things you believe about the gospel in relation to you.
Write them down. Write them on your phone, write them on your notepad. Come on, guys, write them down. If I have nowhere to write, let me see you writing in the air. <laughs> but write them down. Any ten things that you believe about the gospel. I'm giving you a minute. Any ten things you believe about the gospel in relation to you. For example, if you believe that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you have divine intelligence, write it down. If you believe, if you don't believe that, don't write it. But any ten things. Any ten. Okay, I'm giving you a few more seconds. Now on this part, I'm giving you a bit of time to like inspect each other's writings. So for those who have not written, you ask them what they were thinking. Ask, ask, ask. I may just pop up to one of you and ask, like, what do you believe about the gospel? In a minute, ask each other. Like, what, what do you think? What do you believe about the gospel? Come on, guys. I'm not hearing people talking. What do you believe? Okay. What do you believe? Hey! Okay. What do you believe? Let me see. Wow. This is amazing. One more. What do you believe? Okay. Hey! I'm a mighty nation. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Let me have one more. Anyone here, what do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe? Okay. What do you believe? There's deliverance in the gospel. Okay, wonderful. So now, here's my question. Let's say one of you believes that, from what you've written down, you believe that um, because of the gospel, you've got the mind of Christ, and you're divinely intelligent, able to grasp all concepts. No exam is too hard for you. You failing, it's not possible. Let's say that's what you believe. And then, um, a certain lecturer called Mr. Southland, believes slightly differently. And that lecturer has got a nickname in class. They call him Mussolini or something like that because he's a scientist. And he comes and says, the exam that I'm preparing, it's not possible for any of you to pass, let alone get an A. As you're walking out and discussing with your classmates, what's your confession there? I'm using a very simple example, right? But what's your confession there? Is your confession, hmm, can we clear this course? Is it possible? Or is your confession, it doesn't matter what he says, even he'll be shocked when he sees the marking key <laughs> that I've produced the marking key. And then here is where the other one comes in. Suppose, I'll use that same exam example. Suppose you've been confessing those things, and perhaps there's an exam that did not necessarily go very well. Perhaps that exam seemed to humble you. <laughs> it was not necessarily an A. Maybe you are slightly above C level. <laughs> or could have even been worse. Do you still believe what you thought the gospel does in terms of your mind? Or has that paper changed your mind? Has the paper changed your confession? Or will your confession have effect on the next papers? Now, as simple as this may sound, this is one of the biggest struggles that has been there from the beginning till now, which is the battle to maintain your confession. Turn to your neighbor and say, that confession of yours Guard it. Okay, take a look again at those ten things that you wrote. I don't know whether you wrote four, you wrote seven, 
root 9, root 10. Here's my question now. If the past one week I lived with you and somehow I was a fly on the wall as you are having every conversation that you've been having the past one week, to what extent can I pick out those 10 things without you telling me? Through the way you speak. Maybe can I say that again? <laughs> okay, you know, ladies and gentlemen, no, no, look at this, look at this. Go in, your, go, go, go in your chat. I like being practical. No, I'll give you a few more scriptures. Go in your chat, right? Type the word, type any word you can think of. Type the Type city. What's the first thing it's suggesting for you after city, for some of you? For me, it's of, and then it's there, and then it's Lord, and then it's church. Why? Because you say it over and over again. So meaning if I got your phone, by virtue of just picking out a few suggestions, the algorithm will probably give me the words that you repeat often. So if I type I love, I might know some names. <laughs> if I type good night, I might know whether that good night comes with like a word afterwards, or perhaps that good night is just an ordinary word that you throw around to everyone. I might know just by virtue of those suggestions. In the same way, that's why my question to you is this. If we were to use the auto-suggest of your language and we were to go through what you've been saying this entire year, in your random conversations, in your random confessions, in your moments with God, in the moments which are hard, in the moments which are easy, in the moments which are happy, in the moments which are sad, if we were to go through those words and go through the confessions, here is my question. Which of those ten things can we pick out? Or are they just a random thing that you parrot on Sundays? Because the difference between a parrot and a human being is that a parrot doesn't understand what it's saying. And a human being says things ideally because they mean them. Ladies and gentlemen, to what extent do you believe the gospel? And if you believe it, to what extent do you confess it? To what extent has the gospel become a huge part of your confession? When was the last time you spoke about yourself in, by virtue of those words over there? When was the last time you spoke about yourself that way? As a matter of fact, what do you speak about yourself? In what way do you describe yourself? What do you actually think about yourself? No, let, let's ask. Do you really believe that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Are you sure? Do you actually tell that to yourself? I hope you're not those people. <laughs> no, it, it's a very, very interesting question. Do you actually believe you're fearfully and wonderfully made? What if somebody doesn't think so? <laughs> What if somebody has got, a, has got a different idea of what fearfully and whatever they made is? What if you woke up today and somebody uh, cracked one of those bad jokes, some more fearfully than others? Would that, would that bother you? Or have, is there a hedge that protects you from it? And that hedge can only come if you confess it a lot. Do you believe that the gospel makes people wealthy? Do you actually believe that? Are you sure you believe that? <laughs> to what extent do you believe that? How many times do you use the word between me and poverty? <laughs> Is that really, you know, somebody saying, Apostle, be realistic. I'm telling you how I've lived for a while. And there are certain terms that I noticed became foreign to my tongue. Me. To stand. Imagine me 
standing before somebody, and even as a joke, saying over my dead body, I feel like I'm insulting everything I believe about life. <laughs> Laughing at a joke and I type dead. Dead. I'm talking about your confession. Okay, let's, let's go to a few scriptures. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope I'm getting you to think. I hope I'm getting you to think. Let's look at a scripture. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter number 22, and verse 31. Luke, chapter number 22, and verse 31. We're going to read it. Now, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So, there was a challenge here. Satan decided to do the utmost temptation with regards one of Jesus' sons, and that was a gentleman named Peter, right? And if you want to see some clearer aspects that Satan was attacking, look at Matthew 26, and then look at verse um, 31 to 35. Look at verse 31 to 35. Look at it. Matthew 26, verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. By the way, in case you wanted to know why we invest a lot of time praying for the pastor, it's because if Satan wants to attack the sheep, he attacks the shepherd. In case you wanted to know. In the same way, a promotion for the shepherd is a promotion for the sheep. It says, but after I've been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. Uh -huh. Peter answered and said to him, even if, what does Peter do now? He confesses. He says, even if oh, I'm made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Uh-huh. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, we do know that, where did this come from? Jesus had already mentioned that Satan was going to attack Peter. And then what happens next? Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. <laughs> Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Then verse 69. Now Peter sat outside the courtyard. And a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're saying. Notice it was a servant girl. It wasn't even a prominent person. This is how the attack manifested. He denied it, saying, I don't know what you're saying. Next verse. Uh-huh. And when he had gone away to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. Uh-huh. But again, he denied with an oath. You want to know what an oath? <laughs> he swore. He denied with an oath. In short, <laughs> what did they say? Cross my heart. <laughs> Shanuko, upon Shanuko of Jerusalem, upon this, this, this. He denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Next verse. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, for your speech betrays you. You know, when you've been with Jesus, is <laughs> the way you start sounding. Uh huh. <laughs> it went bad. I don't know if we've read how bad it went. 
Then he began to curse. The guy remembered Egypt. The words from the past came back. He began to curse and swear. So his language even turned vulgar. Saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowned. Uh -huh. Next verse. And he remembered the words of Jesus. Who, who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Every time you confess something, Satan will attack that confession. And what he wants to get out of you is a negative confession. That's what he wants to get out of you. A negative confession. That's why it says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Lay hold of it. You have to learn to maintain your confession. And, and usually it's in how you immediately respond to certain matters. And you also notice something about your confession. Your confession is also dependent on who you are around. I'll show you as we go on. But that's one thing Satan will try to do. You've made a confession before God, like Job. You've made a covenant before God that your eyes will not look upon somebody lustfully. You've made a confession to walk an oath of purity. That look, I'm going to stay like this. Um, I'll live like this. If I'm not married to someone, there are certain things I will not see or touch immediately to my messages that coming in. Now think about that. Before you know it, even the people who you thought could have no interest in you suddenly have interest. Or you're around people and suddenly the thoughts start coming in saying like this, that's how people don't marry. And you know what Satan does? He'll start showing you that person wasn't living right. How come they've married well? He wants you to attack your confession. He's waiting for you to have a day where you can deny the faith by attacking what you actually believe in. The day you realize this trick of Satan, you're not for prey even to funny social media posts. You'd be amazed how many Christians help Satan with his agenda. You'd be amazed. You'll be amazed. I mean, if your entire timeline is filled with the problem with the church today, the problem with the church today, and one day you participate in the problem with the church today, you don't know that you're killing something inside of you. And before you know it, all you see is the problem with the church today. I hear the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Whose responsibility is to clean up the problem with the church today. Congratulations. Interesting, eh? Satan is after your confession. What's your confession? How do you talk? Perhaps let me show you a few more scriptures. So now, who must you guard your confession from? Number one, guard your confession from yourself, from your flesh. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and I want us to look from verse 15, maybe from verse 13. Okay, I'll give you a, a background because I'm running out of time. An angel comes to Zacharias and tells him, look, you're going to have a, your, your wife will have a son and you call his name John and you, shall, and you have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he'll be a great man in the sight of the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And you have the spirit and power of Elijah. Verse 18. And Zacharias answered and said to the angel, How shall I know this? 
For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Mm -hmm. And the angel answered and said to him, like the angel seemed frustrated. Notice how the angel answers. It almost seems as though the angel is frustrated. The angel goes like, I'm Gabriel. Like, come on, you're looking at me right now. I'm, like, I'm an angel. Like, come on. <laughs> I've come to you with this message. You think like, I, I just had nothing to do. And so I just popped up and just came to just play a trick on you or stuff like that. So the angel goes like, I'm Gabriel. Like, hello, among the angels, Gabriel is like among, yeah? I'm a top angel. He's like an archangel. Like, it's not even like it was maybe <laughs> that other angel. I don't know the other names of the other angels. If you know, yeah, the Lord bless you. <laughs> you know, Michael, Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> no, right now I'm with Angel Shine. I'm like, eh, that grace. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> so he goes like, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Notice, he says, but behold, you'll be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. In short, do you know what the angel is practically telling the guest? Like, the angel is like, okay, this guy is not going to help the plan. His mouth is the problem. This guy's mouth is the problem. The guy became mute. <laughs> the guy became mute. And then what happened in the fullness of time? Let's go on. He became mute. Next verse. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. <laughs> she never used to pray. Then, <laughs> eventually, uh, there was conception. And eventually, John was born. But before that, I want us just to follow Luke properly, right? So the angel appears before Zacharias, and the gentleman struggles with his mouth. And so the angel shuts Zacharias up. Then the same angel goes to appear before Mary in the very next verses. And verse 29, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greetings this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Somebody say glory. glory. Notice, her, notice her response now. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Her response saved her mouth. This, this angel had a history. <laughs> this angel had a history of, of shutting mouths. But her, her response saved her mouth. Can I take you to the very next verses? I really want you guys to see something. Can I show you? Are you sure? Are you being blessed? Verse, 20, verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. Like very quickly. To a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and, and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in, the, in my womb for joy. Hey, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told, which were told her from the Lord. Wow. She says, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment. There will be a performance. Now, here's, 
I've given you more than one principle in this one. Here's the first principle. When something comes from the Lord, your mouth can be a big enemy to it. Now, the angels may not come and mute your mouth because perhaps you need them for a few other things. So if possible, when you're having challenges, learn to... And then notice the way Mary responded. Now, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by learn to this. I mean, I'm not saying you can't open up. But what I'm saying is, be careful the words you utter out of your mouth. It's one thing to say, I'm having this challenge. This is a financial challenge I'm having. It's another thing to start that sentence with, which is some of us, would we ever have money? He said, do some scriptures even apply to us that he made them rich? He said, and then afterwards, God, I'm asking for a solution. Are you serious? Was that preamble necessary? Why not just mention that you're having the challenge and expose it for what it is? I'll show you as we go on. I'm teaching you practical faith. Then notice Mary. Mary's response was, hey, <laughs> look, it sounded too big for her. But she says, Lord, the maidservant of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Then, in that revelation, the angel had told Mary that there was somebody else who was having a similar experience, and that was Elizabeth. And so what does Mary quickly do? She went to Elizabeth. There's a reason she didn't go to Cecilia. There's a reason she went to Elizabeth. You know why? Because Elizabeth had something in her that resonated with something that was in Mary. Listen, there are certain things which when God tells you, it's not everyone who can resonate with it. There are certain... <laughs> I, I don't know if somebody is getting what I'm saying. Somebody may not need to be having the exact same experience or the exact same word, but you need to find certain people who also believe in possibilities. You need to find certain people who also believe that God can do things a certain way. Those are the kinds of people that you share certain big things with. There are certain big things that God has said to me that if the first thing you have to do is to share them with a natural man, by the time you are coming to share it with the church, you've re-strategized, reorganized. <laughs> I don't know if you are getting my point. Mary had to speak these things with Elizabeth. And this is a continuation of what I taught last week. When you're... Those things that you wrote down about what you believe about the gospel, who do you discuss them with? If there's no one you discuss them with, do you actually have friends? Like, what, what do you guys do? Is that really friendship? Or you just meet and do nothing together? <laughs> No, when was the last time you discussed what the gospel actually means to you? How else would you find moments to agree in prayer? Someone would say, Apostle, okay, I've heard you, but what about moments when I'm having a challenge? What if things are not going the way they should go? Does having faith mean I deny that there is a challenge? Can we answer that question? 2 Kings 4.22. Let me give you an example. You've been confessing divine health, confessing divine health, and then let's say your body has a challenge, right? Your body has a challenge. Firstly, have you noticed my language? Have you noticed I've not said, let's say you are sick. I've said, let's say your body has a challenge. Do you know why I'm talking like this? Because who are you? Are you actually your body? Your spirit. I'm very careful with what I use, what I say I am when it comes to my spirit, man. I'm very careful. I would rather say my account is currently, maybe it's currently low or something like that, or my wallet doesn't have that money right now. I, I, me saying me, I am broke. I don't know how to say. My spirit. I'm a spirit. I'll short-circuit something within me. I'll be very honest with you, I'm not being over like sensitive, but I avoid the words I am when it comes to myself. I avoid. Another thing, my body is having a challenge. <laughs> oh, my body has a headache. What? I have. 
that's too spiritual. I'm too, the thing is that I'm very spiritual. Everything I say, giving the headache too much authority. Now, Second Kings 4, verse 20. Let's start from there. Second Kings 4, verse 20. And we'll just read this portion of scripture and then we're done. I've got so much more to teach you, but uh, someone needs to go and cook. Okay, when he had taken him and brought, and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Uh -huh. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Now, for those of you who are wondering, this is a certain lady, and she and her husband really liked Elisha. So what they used to do is, when Elisha would be in their city, he would eat from their house. Such a blessing. Eh? And they decided to prepare a room, in an upper room, where if Elisha is around, he can just spend the night there. They just loved hosting him. And one day Elisha said, what can I do for you? He didn't even say, what can God do for you? Like he asked in his capacity as a man of God. He said, what can I do for you? And then the woman uh, like said nothing, right? And then he inquired and his servant told him she didn't have a child. And then the guy just says, okay, fine. He didn't even pray. He said, I'll return at this and this and this time and you'll have a child. And the woman was like, shall I have pleasure at my old age? Elijah didn't care. He had declared. Elisha, that is. And so she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Now, this child happened to die. He had a problem with his head. Shut the door upon him. Okay, I don't know what the problem is, but he was shouting, my head, my head. Right? Shut the door upon him and went out. Let's continue. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Uh -huh. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. <laughs> From this one, we'll go to John. That will be the last. Now, this is the penultimate one. <laughs> then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not shaken the pace. For me, unless I tell you. Uh huh. Don't slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. You should cruise the car. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her far off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman. Uh huh. Please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, It is well. Uh huh. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. <laughs> I'll show you a principle here. <laughs> Don't you dare catch my feet. <laughs> catch them in the spiritual realm. <laughs> Security view on alert. Immediately after service, I'm running out. <laughs> And then she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Elisha was an accurate prophet. I don't know what you call accurate prophet these days. But he was like really accurate. And yet he said, The Lord has hidden it from me. Uh huh. So. She talked. She put her hat. Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Uh-huh. Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready, take my stuff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my stuff on the face of the child. <laughs> uh-huh. And the mother of the child said, so in short, Elisha said, look, my stuff is going to like and the mother said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. <laughs> like you're not sending your stuff to me. So he arose and followed her. 
<laughs> and yeah, so Gehazi went ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, the child is not awakened. Uh -huh. When Elisha came into the house, there was a child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay up on the child. I like the Old Testament. It's so graphic. And he put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands, and stretched himself out on the child. And the flesh of the child became warm. That was like a waking out of miracles. Like he literally was transferring divine energy from him to the child. Aha. Uh -huh. Next verse. And he returned and walked back and forth in the house again, went up, stretched himself on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. What a miracle. Uh -huh. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shulamite woman. So he called her. And when she came in, he said, Pick up your son. <laughs> and she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. I want you to notice something about this woman. She knew who to talk to. And when she had the encounter with Elisha, she didn't hide her emotions. She was very open about them. But then she opened up to the right person. What am, I, what am I saying? There are, when it comes to maintaining your confession, if moments of distress come up, that's a moment where you're vulnerable. Have safe spaces of people of like faith that you can open up your heart to. Everyone else, she answered it as well. Elisha, she spoke what was on her heart. Because there are some people who might grab your confession from you. That's why you must be very careful who your friends are. Have friends who will not judge you due to a moment of weakness. Friends who you can be very open with and they understand your faith. They understand where you're coming from, but they also understand in that moment that your heart is troubled. Have such spaces where you can be very open. And one temptation that is there, I'm telling you, this is some, that's why I'm saying friendship is something you should put in prayer. One temptation that is there is that sometimes in the hardest moments, do you know what happens? Sometimes in the hardest moments, it becomes very easy to be offended at those who genuinely love you. It becomes very easy to be offended at those who genuinely love you. And you find yourself having solace from strangers. We encourage you, let's just drink. And that kind of stuff. So with regards to your confession, I'll say it again. Have the right counselors. That's why be careful who your friends are. I'll, I'll use friends again because I'll tell you this, you spend more time with your friends than with your pastor. Unless you're certain people I know here. But you spend more time... <laughs> I'm not talking about Pastor Lastings. Anyways, you spend more time. <laughs> you, okay, most people, you spend more time with your friends than with your pastors. And every person who's your friend, at some point, is elevated to a position of your counselor. Whether it's for one minute, whether it's for five minutes, your friend, at some point, is your mentor. At some point, there's a moment where your friend is one who says, you should do it like this. I don't know if you get my point. Why do you think men try to befriend the ladies who are friends with his love interest? Sometimes they know that there are some decisions <laughs> that are made by the committee. <laughs> like things were fine. We were talking just fine. They were okay with the issue. Someone went to the saloon, came back. You know what? That's not what I expect. <laughs> okay, can I show you one more verse? Somebody may say, Apostle, what if I've been confessing the wrong things? What should I do? Is there anyone with that story here? Like every now and then, maybe your emotions have gotten to you, maybe a pressure has gotten to you. And you've thrown in a few <laughs> between me and poverty and, and stuff like that. What if I've been confessing the wrong things? Okay. John, chapter number 
21, verse 13, verse 15. John 21, verse 15. So I hope you've heard me. Many people sometimes think faith means you deny the situation. Doesn't mean you deny it. But faith, rather, is acknowledging what God has said about a particular thing. I will perhaps go deeper on this as I go on. It's like sometimes I've been asked, Pastor, um, I have faith. Should I take this medicine? What has faith and medicine got to do with each other? What has not taking medicine got to do with you having faith? Not taking medicine for me is, is, is a bit more careless than really faith because what's my view on that? I can tell you because yeah, here you are children of the house. What did Jesus say to the lepers? He said, go show yourselves to the priests. He wasn't afraid to have the miracle tested even by the priests. Because the priests, if you notice the way they used to function, they function like doctors. What am I trying to say? Ladies and gentlemen, I believe in miracles. I'm willing to stand with anyone for any miracle. I'll tell you something. God does miracles in such a way that it will reach a point where even those that diagnose the thing will say, look, we're wasting your time with this thing. I'm telling you. Medicine for me is, I consider it like supplements. For me, like, like no difference in that and like eating healthy food like lettuce. <laughs> supplements. It's helping your body. Why is it important for your body to be helped? So that you can have the right physical capacity to handle that matter spiritually. Because it's difficult to pray if your body is not in a very good capacity. So that's why I don't have an issue with medicine. So a lot of people who've claimed they stopped taking medicine out of faith, sometimes it was really just denial. Not really faith. Because faith is your relationship with the word of God, not your relationship with the substance. Unless the Lord spoke. And if the Lord speaks with such a word, because it's such a delicate word, you won't be afraid to bring it for us to judge that word. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I just thought you should know that. We've lost too many people who thought they were practicing faith. They were just angry. Faith submits to God's word. It doesn't dictate to his word. Okay, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus and breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, do I this our last verse? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. I'll show you a principle here. Let's go. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Aha. Uh -huh. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Here's the interesting thing. Earlier, Jesus had told Peter that Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Right? But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And then he says, and after you are strengthened. No, he says, and after you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So you notice that in this portion of scripture, Jesus is returning Peter to him. And how does he return Peter to him? Jesus makes him confess. Earlier on when Satan attacked him, the gentleman ended up denying the Lord Jesus three times. Jesus makes him confess three times that he loves him. And good will always be greater than evil. So meaning, even if you've had challenges confessing the wrong things, start confessing the right things. I don't know if you're hearing me. So I've had moments where perhaps I made a mistake and I said something. You know what I'll do? I'll just start confessing the right things. Why? Because... Good will always triumph over evil. So he makes him confess the right things. If I was teaching another lesson, I would say, I would, I would, I would teach a lesson on leadership and, and the like. And I find it interesting that the question Jesus asked was not, the first one was not, do you love me? It was, do you love me more than this? So sometimes the best people to pick are those who love you more. 
Interesting. So anyways, <laughs> imagine, like, he literally asked, do you love me more than these? That's a very interesting thought, eh? But what I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, is if you've had challenges confessing the wrong things, start confessing the right things. Have prayers of agreement with some of your buddies where you just declare the right things. Start confessing the right things. Those things that you believe the gospel does, start confessing them. I've got like five more scriptures. I'll share them next week. I'll start from Revelations. Then I'll go to Joshua. No, Numbers. Then I'll probably go to Joshua. How many of you have been blessed? Okay. Stand up and for one minute confess over your life. Pick a particular area or a few areas and just confess even as you prepare your offerings as we close. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, all things are mine. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, <laughs> nothing dies in my hands. These hands are an extension of the hands of God. They heal the sick. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, all things work together for my good because I love the Lord. In the name of Jesus. The glory of God does not move in reverse. And therefore I move from faith to faith. I move from glory to glory. And I will never be a has-been. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Let's just give our offerings as we prepare to say the grace. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Let's just give our offerings. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And let's have the grace. Hey. The Bible says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that has risen in judgment against you, you shall refute. That's why even spiritual warfare is in your tongue. It's you to refute those things. Praise God. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. I declare in the name of Jesus that grace multiplies in your life. I declare in the name of Jesus that all things work together for your good. I declare in the name of Jesus that even in areas where you are falling short, the mercy of God triumphs over judgment. I declare in the name of Jesus that every negative word that has been spoken against you is refuted now and the effects of it, I refute them now. I declare in the name of Jesus that you are blessed forevermore. May God bless you with divine friendships. May God bless you with divine partnerships. May your eyes see your teachers. May your eyes see your friends. May your eyes see your counselors. May your eyes see your mentors. In the name of Jesus, I bless you all. Amen. Praise God. Ladies and gentlemen, next week I'll continue on this one. If you had to ask me, I'm still in the introduction. Let's see how we can do that. Maybe we can have like radical confessions. Imagine that. I would like to encourage us all to be very early on Sunday. We've got a very, very special meeting for you. And there's a very special word for each and every one of you. I may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord. Okay, wonderful. wow what a service i have been so blessed and i know you have been too may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you you can reach the city of the lord church on 
If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.